Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. Before we start today's episode, I wanted to take a moment and introduce you to our new sponsor, JustWorks. JustWorks is awesome. They help businesses take care of their benefits, payroll, HR. They do it all so seamlessly, easily, automatically. And we know they're awesome because we use them. And the Reboot Podcast is really more than just Jerry and guests. It takes a whole team to put it together. And JustWorks makes it easy to support that team. And we wanted to take this opportunity with this new sponsorship to introduce you to some of the amazing people who help make the Reboot Podcast happen. Hi, I'm Charles Gamble. I'm a freelance podcast producer and audio engineer, and I'm an assistant producer on the Reboot Podcast. So Jerry will record his conversations, and you just never know what you know the Skype connection is going to sound like. So I edit out a lot of clicks and pops, background noise as best I can, and then I put that audio into a template that has the music, your voiceover, So that's basically what I do is post-production on the audio. So Charles, do you want to talk a little bit about how we came to make this ad? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we were talking about all the different angles we could take. It struck me how much more difficult it's been to record this than it's ever been to use JustWorks. And it reminded me when Allie was getting everything set up for uh, how to pay me. So she sent me this link to JustWorks. And I went and signed into it, and like two or three minutes later, I was done, and I was like, is that all there is to it? And so I had a meeting with Allie a few days later, and I put on the agenda specifically to ask her, did I do Just Works right? Because it seemed too simple. Because, yeah, all I had to do was fill in my, you know, how I wanted to get paid, and it was done. But I'm not joking when I say setting up Just Works to set up our payroll, our benefits, our insurance actually took less time than it took for Charles to describe (laughs) it. And we use JustWorks. We're so grateful for their support of this podcast. And to learn more about how they could work for you, go to reboot.io slash JustWorks. It is in the space between inner and outer world, which is also the space between people, the transitional space, that intimate relationships and creativity occur. That quote is from D.W. Winnicott. When Jerry and Fred Wilson first came together to form Flatiron Partners in 1996, they made a partnership agreement that still stands today. It wasn't a legal deal, although I'm sure they made many of those, but rather an agreement on how they would work and be together. Jerry, coming from a painful previous work experience, suggested to Fred, if I ever do anything to you that pisses you off, can you just tell me? So I'm not trying to figure it out or I'm worried about it. Because if you don't tell me, then I retreat. Fred agreed. And their partnership was extremely effective. And 20 years later, their friendship is still strong. What if your agreements with partners and coworkers were more focused on the characteristics of how you come together, related to one another, and work together, instead of what happens when shit hits the fan? Zell Nelson and Maureen McCarthy are co-founders of the Center for Collaborative Awareness and our guests for today's conversation. They've created a collaborative process called the Blueprint of We, 
which is used to build and sustain healthier, more resilient business and personal relationships. Those that start from a place of hope and openness. They join Jerry to share how they came together, how the process works, and how this can impact your relationships and your organization. Enjoy the conversation. Good morning, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. And today we have this um, very special edition of uh, the Reboot Podcast, where we're going to be diving deep on the issue of co-founder conflict. And with me today we have, if you can introduce yourselves, that would be great. I'm Zill Nelson. And I'm Maureen McCarthy, and we're the co-founders of the Center for Collaborative Awareness. And we created a collaboration process called the Blueprint of We. Oh, that, that's great. Thank you so much for that. And, you know, we at Reboot are, are really looking at the question of the relationship between co-founders and not even just co-founders, but really colleagues in the office. Um, you know, there's a, there's a line that I use, um, which is that um, what I'm really about, whether it was originally in my coaching practice or now with my colleagues and friends at Reboot, what we're really about is, is trying to induce a kind of revolution in the corporate world, which is to reduce the violence. And I use that term with respecting the physical violence that exists in the world while simultaneously honoring the kind of violence that gets uh, perpetrated on people when their sense of self is diminished in the office, in the workplace. And what I have, and so we talk about building nonviolent workplaces and one of the biggest sources of tension and challenge are those interpersonal relationships in the office. I, I often joke, and, and I quote very poorly Jean-Paul Sartre, who said that hell is other people. <laughs> and, you know, when I first came across the blueprint of we, which was through the work that I've done uh, through Bay NVC or Bay Nonviolent Communications, and specifically the brilliant work of Mickey Cashton, I immediately began thinking about ways that this might be applied to the kinds of relationships that we as coaches run into. And so I thought it would be good if we could take a few moments to really sort of understand what the blueprint is all about. And my first question is, how did you guys hit upon this as a, as a structure, as a model? Yeah, it was actually kind of by chance. Um, it was, what, almost 17 years ago now. Zell and I met and started first knowing each other in a personal relationship and started dating. And it happened to be the year I have a very rare fatal lung disease. And I was told that year, like, that's as long as people live, you know, you'll, you will die by this year. So when I met him, there was no expectation of some long-term future and the picket fence and the house and all the kinds of things that you're supposed to have in a relationship. Zell had just come out of a relationship. I had been in love with this woman who moved back to Sweden and the relationship ended and I was in a not so great place. And he even said to me on our second date, hey, if she ever comes knocking on the door, just know that like I'm out of here. <laughs> Which was what, a, what an amazing start. <laughs> Which was fine at the time because I said we were at a restaurant and I said, you know, is she here tonight? He said, no, she's in Sweden. And I said, well, I'm going to be dead before she comes knocking on the door. So I hope she comes back to you. Like, that would be incredibly, like, good luck with that. I think that's cool. That has absolutely changed. <laughs> I am so much more, like, connected and in love than I've ever been. Yeah, and, it's so true. And yet, 
at the time we were, neither of us were expecting this relationship to be anything more than what we were doing in this moment right now. We weren't measuring up against forever, which I think we do in both business and personal relationships. We measure someone up against forever. We decide whether they think they can measure up for the rest of our lives. And then we start, our mind starts slowly playing around with the things that we think work and the things we need to change and what doesn't work about them. And we engage a whole set of neural pathways around, it's, it's a subconscious dance of protecting ourselves, of safety, of like, how can I be in relationship with, in the, with this person and protect myself from the things that I don't think work for me? And it's kind of a crazy start when you think about it. Even in a business situation, whether it's an employee manual or a contract, we start all of our relationships with this premise that we have to protect ourselves. So even when I give you the employee manual and say, it's great that you're at the company, we're so happy you're here, and sign this thing because we want to protect ourselves from you, it becomes a different foundation that we build the relationship on. So when Zell and I first got together and had this odd sort of, let's just choose today, um, about two months into our relationship, we had a great conversation about how we wanted our ultimate goal, if it wasn't the normal way of doing things, was to be in a good place with each other the rest of our lives. That was the goal. Whatever the, what we call the relationship container was, this intimate relationship, whether that remained or not, our ultimate goal was to be in this good place. And I went home that night and I said, okay, I would have said that about just about anybody I've ever been in business with or been in a relationship. Like, why doesn't that work sometimes? And I decided, like, if we built a different foundation, and because we've been working, you know, looking at the collaboration, like, especially the neuroscience of collaboration, like, we really understood that these relationships, um, they go through so many different paths of possibilities. And if we could just build a foundation that was really strong at the start, maybe you don't have to fix what's broken down the line. Like, I, because I have this lung disease, I actually only have 10% lung capacity left. I'm supposed to be on oxygen 24 hours a day. My doctors say there's no reason why I'm still alive. It's now 17 years past. I've lived longer than anyone else with this disease. So if that's the case, like, how do I keep living? They can't scientifically explain it. And I think it's because through the blueprint, I have built totally different foundations in my life. Our kids did their first blueprint. We did it as a family when they were four and six years old. I, we do it with all of our clients, all of our employees, suppliers, Anyone that we're in relationship with, we're building a different foundation through this collaboration process. It doesn't take a lot of time, but it starts out at such a, like a strong, um, adaptive, resilient place that no matter what the dance is between people, you're always coming back. You have this document to actually get you back to that good place. I like the fact that you're having these conversations that matter on a couple of different levels around why do I want to be in this? Mm -hmm. um, how, do we, how are we going to interact with each other? What does that look like? What does it look like on my bad day when I'm not going to be able to like function well? And not only what, it, what do I look like on my worst day, here's what I need in the moment. I'm going to tell you this now that I'm not going to be able to ask for. In fact, my behavior is going to be the complete opposite of what I'm really needing in that moment. But if we wrote this down ahead of time, if I tell you during a calm moment when I'm creating this document with you, then you actually have a chance to help pull me out of whatever I'm going into because I've told you ahead of time what the keys are. And then we're also talking about expectations. Like how are we going to get done what we want to get done together? What are we, how are we going to measure it? By what time, at what cost? Like all of the specifics that often traditional legal contracts cover, the blueprint covers as well. In fact, there's a lot of attorneys and mediators around the world that are using it because it has all of the things that traditional contract can cover, 
but there's also the relationship and who the people are that are in the relationship that's part of this whole document. I think that, that there's two things come to mind as I hear the story. The first is the realization that I think you're absolutely right that when we, when we enter into a relationship, whether it's romantic or business partnership or even as we hire an employee, and this is going to sound very Buddhist of me, so forgive me because everything I do sounds either Buddhist or Brooklyn. I'll usually either curse or quote the Buddha. Um, but it made me realize that not only is there is it do we enter that relationship from a foundation of fear, but we enter that relationship with the expectation of it ending and trying to protect ourselves from the pain of it ending. And so if you think about even a traditional legal contract, 90% of the content of that contract is about what happens when shit happens, right? As opposed to saying, how do we craft a relationship so that I am not entering this dialogue from a place of fear, but entering from a place of hope and not hope that is, you know, delusional. Yeah, it's not crossing your fingers and hoping. It's actually what we call custom designing, or we often call the blueprint mindfulness meditation for relationships. How do I do mindfulness in an active form in the very relationships that are most key to my work and to my life? It changes everything. It's beautiful. The the other thing it reminds me of is, you know, I often, uh, when I start working with a client, I often talk to them about um, one of my first really successful partnerships. And that is with a deep friend named Fred Wilson, who's a very famous venture capitalist. And uh, what happened was in 1996, I left one firm, he left another firm, and we joined together. And I'll never forget one of the most conscious conversations that we ever had, which came from a place of pain. And long before I had any nonviolent communications training or was even aware of mindful creation of relationship. It went something like this. I had had such a painful experience in my previous partnership that I said something like, hey, listen, can we make a deal? And the deal goes like this. If I ever do anything that pisses you off, could you just promise to tell me so that I'm not worrying and not trying to figure out what's going on? Because when I think you're angry with me, I will retreat. And we made this deal. And, you know, to this day, we're 20 years later, we're still friends, and we have had many disagreements, and we've never had an argument. Yeah, that's exactly, that's a perfect explanation of thinking mindfully. And really paying attention to when those, even the little things are up. Because if we can catch it early we can really get the message of what it's trying to tell us. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's something in that space when I'm feeling stress or tension or pain. I'm looking for something. You, you understand call, that. We call it stress for clarity. Stress is not a bad thing. It's a messenger. So if I can stop for a moment and figure out what the message is trying to give me, one of the statistics I love most about the brain is that the difference between our subconscious and conscious mind Our conscious mind processes information at 2,000 bits per second, and our subconscious mind processes information at 11 million bits per second. So if I think my conscious mind is running my life, all the things I say and do and think about, 
I'm crazy. So how do I pay attention? And they say, though, that everything in the subconscious mind is changeable. It's rewritable. But you can only do it if you get it from the subconscious, which means I'm not even aware of it, onto the working stage of the conscious mind. And the only way for me to really do that and change some of those automatic habit loops and the wiring of the stories that I believe that are stressful is if I pay attention to what pings me with stress, if he does something, if Zell does something that really drives me nuts, cool, it's pointing to something in my subconscious that I've got a painful story around. And I now have an experience to get me to bring that up, make a change to the way I'm thinking about it, because I'm going to use the blueprint to come back. It's also a, a great third-party mediator tool. So you can come back and use it to get back to a good place, including using a tool like nonviolent communication. How do you take the tools you're already using and put them into the document so you're really making use of them? But it has this ability to say, stress is not my enemy. I don't need to, I don't, I know I, for my body, I do not need stress 24 hours a day. I do not live in that kind of world anymore. I used to, but I've learned now to clear things out. It's the notion that if I went on a hike for five miles, and in mile one, I get a stick in my shoe. I'm not going to walk for five miles with a stick in my shoe. I'm going to stop and take it out. That's what I do with stress. I stop. I take a look at it. I use the blueprint to have a conversation with the other person or people. We figure out what the clarity is that we're looking for so that I can rewrite this habit loop in my subconscious mind to something that feels more peaceful and something that gives me more resilience and life. And then we take that clarity and we build on it. Like... What is it that was calling out to us that we either want more of? Is it more connection? Is it more um, responsibility? Like, what are, the, what are the pieces that will help us in our relationship and in our business or whatever we're doing together? There seems to be a basic first step that's really a necessary component to this, and and what it reminds me of is is a phrase that we often use at Reboot, which is the notion of radical self-inquiry. Um, you know, the formula that we work with is that practical skills development plus radical self-inquiry plus peer support equals enhanced leadership and greater resiliency. It's one of the reasons there's actually different types of blueprints. There's also a blueprint of me which is the relationship you have between you and that chatterbox in your head that can either totally inspire you or spiral you down. That's the roommate you have 24-7, that it never moves out. That relationship is there every day. It's going to be, no you can go on vacation, it's still going to come with you. So how do you build that relationship first and say, this inner relationship I have between me and myself, me and my mind, has to be a healthy one. Let me do that one first was actually one of the interesting things. Often when we're working with an executive team, we'll have them all do the blueprint of me first. Let me get right with that relationship before they do the team document of the blueprint of we. And, and then it starts feeding into, I start looking at that, you know, radical self-inquiry. Who am I? What do I want to bring to this? What do I know? What am I good at? You know, in this dance of leader and follower where you can be interchangeable in any given moment. This is not about I'm a leader, you're a follower every day. This, is, this world today is moment by moment changing that. So how do I know? What dances do I know? When should I lead? When should I follow? When I start looking inside for that, that knowledge and that strength, and then I share it in my blueprint of we, it's really powerful because it's what we call collaborative awareness. Like We're all very familiar with self-awareness. You know That's something that for the last 50 years has really progressed in our culture. 
But now we're really crying out for collaborative awareness because you can take a group of really brilliant, self-aware people to do something. Why does it fall apart? Why is there all this stress? We haven't learned that collaborative awareness space, partially because we don't know how to use stress for clarity. We use stress to pull us back, to make us think we have to you know, protect ourselves if the fear gets involved. And I loved how you talked about you know, violence in the workplace because the violence in the workplace isn't just between other people and, and myself. It's between me and myself. Sometimes I'm the hardest person on myself than anyone else. So how do I get that voice to calm down? How do I change my subconscious autopilot from these thoughts that are very stressful and create something calmer. And part of the way I do that is not just me looking into me, but in collaborative awareness space, I'm having other people help me look into me. I know so much about myself, not only because Zell and I are married, but because we're co-founders of an organization. There's whole sides of me that if we never worked together, I never would have known about myself, specifically because he saw them or he helped bring them out or he noticed something that someone else might not have. And as we share these pieces, it's really fascinating. She knows I'm upset before I do. <laughs> we both do. It's yeah. really helpful to have someone say, "Hey, wait a minute. You might have might, might not take a look." And to ha be able to take that step back and really like figure out what's going on, and then have a conversation about what do we want to create, what's coming up, is really it's amazing. You know, I I think that that you know. If, if we're committed to doing our inner work, whether it's the blueprint of me or the radical self-inquiry or using those tools, and, and by the way, one of the questions I like to throw in there is what kind of adult do I want to be? Because mm. oftentimes I'm not, <laughs> but I have this like aspirational view of what I'm going to be when I'm a man, you know, when I grow up. <laughs> if we do that, what I have found is that we then create the space for the other to be able to come to us and say, hey, listen, you have a smudge of dirt on your nose and you don't even know it. You have a little piece of spinach in your teeth. <laughs> and it's very non-judgmental. It's like, hey, I noticed that there's a, you know, there's a furrowed brow going on. Right. Are you inquisitive? Are you curious? Are you stressed? Right. And, and by allowing that kind of spaciousness, then the, what happens in, in, in the room and I've seen this now between co-founders, what happens if two co-founders who oftentimes start to replicate our family of origin situations, someone's playing mommy, someone's playing daddy, oftentimes they flip back and forth, then everybody else in the room, their in inner system gets to t calm down. Because those two parental figures are starting to communicate with each other like adults. Yeah, absolutely. And then the, then the system starts to calm down. And then I think that creates a space for collaboration, true collaboration, which is it's okay if I tell you, Zell, you got a smudge of dirt on your nose. I'm not attacking you. I don't mind that I have a smudge of dirt on my nose. I'm okay with that. It doesn't mean that everything someone says to me about me is going to land as, yeah, you're absolutely right. But if I take it in with any sort of stress that's where I know there's a message for clarity there somewhere. Yeah. And I love the, the space where you're talking about, Hey, there's that smudge on my nose and having a conversation ahead of time when we're in a calm space around how I want to have that interaction with you. What are my conversations and what are my boundaries around how I want to talk to when you notice that smudge? And I might, you know, 
encourage a certain way for you to connect with me that can really help the move keep us in that calm connected space where we have that curiosity conversation it's what's going on what's what's happening versus what's wrong with you yeah there there is a um that curiosity also allows space for experiments because i might say to you so how would you like me to tell you you know there's a smudge on your nose and you might say i don't know i have no idea so we might have a conversation like well maybe this 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 or this all right let's write that in our blueprint and let's try that let's do an experiment for the next two weeks if something comes up i'm going to try one of these ways and then we have the, the other part of the blueprint is what we call look back learning. It's sort of like post game analysis. Uh-huh. If I tell you one of those ways and a few, and you just like, that does not work at all. <laughs> then a couple days later we look back and I say, okay, so I told you you had the smudge in your nose. That did not land well the way I said it. How, how could I have done it better? Like, should we try one of the other ways? Like how could it look or feel, or do you just need to have your moment of, you know, intensity but you took it in and now we're going to have a good conversation. Like it's just really taking a look at what's, how it's working and, and how we can be curious also using experiments. I love this. You know, one of the other uh, premises that, that I've been working with lately and that we really take to heart at Reboot is not only is, is there an opportunity to reduce the inherent violence that can occur and the violence to the self to, and the existential threat not only is it an opportunity to sort of for that self-exploration and then to sort of bring a whole authentic self to the, to to that experience but as i as i hear the two of you describe this process from your 17 years of personal experience but also watching clients and colleagues go through this it it connects me back to this other wish that i think is implicit in so much that is there. And that is that the promise of work, not as this uh, source of drudgery, but as an opportunity for self-actualization. You mean, I don't just go to work to earn a living. I go to work to grow and become a better human. What a radical concept that is. And that that doesn't have to be hard work. Yes. Relationships have to be hard work. Oh, it's just one of the things that comes along with it. I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. And when I'm wanting the best version of you to show up and you want the best version of me to show up, that space is something where we build what we want to create and we unleash our passion. Because as entrepreneurs, as founders of organizations and places like that, we're, we want to bring something into the world, um, whatever it might be, to make something, you know, creative, something that we want to give. And when I can invite the best versions of all the people around me to be a part of that process, that is life giving. And I I want to be a part of that. It reminds me of uh, something my friend and teacher and mentor, Parker Palmer, writes about. Parker talks in, in his book, A Hidden Wholeness. He talks about the fact that what we're seeking from work is really three things. We're seeking the ability to pay our bills. We're seeking the ability to express our soul. And we're seeking community. And I think that this collaborative process that you've developed is one of the ways in which that soul gets to come out and play in a safe way 
and we then form community. And so then work is no longer that dreadful obligation, but it, it becomes a place of play, mm-hmm. of exploration. Yeah, truly. Yeah. One of the other types of blueprints um, that we love using with our clients is called the one-page introduction blueprint. So an organization or even an individual, um, you create a one-page version of your blueprint of we from your perspective. So your organization, say Reboot were to have a one-page introduction, that piece of paper or electronically goes out to every person you touch, whether it's a new client or it's a supplier or whomever it might be. The way you start every conversation is with this one-page introduction, which says it's the same five components that are in every blueprint, which is the story of us, interaction styles and warning signs, expectations, questions for peace and possibility, and short and long-term agreements. So same five things, but it's really condensed to be this overarching umbrella look at the organization. And the way we use that in our contracting process is if that goes out to a new client, if they decide we're, you know, we all decide we're going to work together, then we invite them to take 15 to 20 minutes, write their half of the same five components. Then we merge that into one document and that becomes our legal contract in essence. Um, We've even had attorneys for major corporations say to people like, we're not going to do a traditional legal contract anymore because this blueprint has so much more that it takes into consideration. I mean, this is this even happened with one of our clients who uses the one-page introduction in the UK. They were working, one of their clients is the largest insurance agency in the United Kingdom. And it was the, it, it was the attorney for the insurance agency that told HR, we're not putting a penalty clause in this contract because it will void the spirit of the contract. <laughs> so there's something that happens when you start those conversations from moment one with somebody and say, this is a different way of being together in business. And it's going to bring all of us to better work. We're going to be more creative. We're, we look at the difference from the evolutionary perspective of the brain between the safety brain and the connected brain. Our whole culture focuses on us developing safety brain mechanisms. I love my safety brain. I hope it comes on when I need it in a dark alley. But I don't want that to be my go-to thing that I operate on every day. I now have a mind that operates on joy. Like joy is my autopilot. That comes up before stress does. And I can say that with all of my clients too because I start these conversations and relationships from a very different perspective and they end up showing up in a very different way as well. Well, I appreciate that. You know, so many of our clients um, are young startups and in so many instances, this is their... You know, our clients, it's their first job, let alone their first leadership position. And one of the other sources of tremendous tension in relationship is actually the relationships that they have with their investors. And as you can imagine, it's a fraught relationship because power is there. And I have this never before revealed secret wish And that is that a whole generation of venture capitalists who are providing the means for people to realize their vision of changing the world would start to incorporate this kind of thinking into the documents that go along with the investment. Absolutely. Wouldn't that be grand? Yeah, it's really true. Right. And so instead of having a document that says, Let's plan for the worst. Let's presume that you're going to get you're going to screw up as the CEO and you're going to have to get fired and I'm going to have to step in. What if we had a document that said, 
let's use the investment process to grow as individuals, regardless of whether or not the company succeeds. That would be so fun. Does that sound like something that would be uh, possible? <laughs> I could, could see yes. it wholeheartedly. Definitely. And that's the thing. It's not that um, work intensive to create that. It's just the aware people don't know they have another option. That's right. You know, once you start knowing you have another option, like you'd much rather take that road. Yeah. So someday um, a couple of friends of mine and I are, are hoping to do a boot camp for investors to talk about the process of being a board member and how to make that more collaborative. And so you may be hearing from me again. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of boards of directors that are using it. So yeah. yes. it works really well in that situation. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This has been a great conversation. And I know that the folks who, who listen to the podcast are going to be excited about this. And we will have links and and pointers to the the information, and uh, I really want to encourage people to reach out to you guys and and your facilitators and see if there is additional ways that we can sort of bring this work back into the small little microcosm of business um, that Reboot works so well with. So I want to thank you just for the work you're doing yes, in the world. Absolutely, Jerry. I appreciate it immensely. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you. It you know. Many years ago, one of my teachers, Ani Pema Chodron, said to me that uh, my karma is to sort of combine this sort of business pragmatism with this kind of weird spirituality. And I love it when I can manage the, to bring those two worlds together. It just makes me happy. Thank you, guys. It's really, really a pleasure. Great. Thanks. Thanks Take care. care. So that's it for our conversation today. I know a lot was covered in this episode, from links to books to quotes to images. So we went ahead and compiled all that and put it on our site at reboot.io slash podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can find out about that on our site as well. I'm really grateful that you took the time to listen. If you enjoyed the show and you want to get all the latest episodes as we release them, Head over to iTunes and subscribe. And while you're there, it would be great if you could leave us a review, letting us know how the show affected you. So thank you again for listening, and I really look forward to future conversations together.